0: Sixteen today. It looks like a lot, but actually there's about five main stories that we're going to be looking at directly, and we're going to go through the whole thing. But I want to, I, I thought it was appropriate to entitle today's message, The Drama of Ministry. The Drama of Ministry. Most often, if you think of drama, you think of the word, you, you may first go to a teenager. Uh, teenagers are pretty dramatic. Um, Some men might say women are dramatic, some might, okay, (laughs) Um, but the truth of the matter is we all have the ability to be uh, a little bit uh, uh, volatile at times, but actually drama is definitively discussed more often than not as the telling of a story. The, the outplaying of a story with specific characters, circumstances, and emotions. That's what a drama is. So you can understand then that ministry can be rather dramatic. We're dealing with people. We're dealing with people that that have hurts and wounds and baggage. Um, we all have character flaws, and we all have idiosyncrasies and things we do, and Sometimes we cancel each other out, and, and sometimes we, we drive each other crazy. But the common theme that drives the church and holds the church together as the glue. In all of those, um, uh, with all of those differences, is the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ is what holds us together. So whether we come from a, a, a very rural country, redneck background like me, Okay, or maybe you're a more refined and polish person uh, okay cosmopolitan uh, if 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 we both know Jesus, we have a common ground and and we respect and love each other accordingly through the blood of Jesus, whether you are black or white or any of the other colors of the races in Jesus, we are one and the same, so I love the Verity that the Lord has put on the earth. I love that, and uh, that plays out then into a drama, you know. So today in Acts chapter sixteen, I wrote, "We must be with one another, for we must bear with one another for the kingdom of God. We must bear with one another." And to illustrate this, Ephesians chapter four, verses one through three says, "I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord." beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Notice calls in bold. There is a calling when God calls to himself. We are the chosen of God to declare his praises in the world. And we're supposed to do this, okay, to walk worthy of this calling with all lowliness or humility and gentleness, with long-suffering. That's the macrothumia in the Greek. That means big suffering okay big patience even bearing with one another there's that word bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace and the word endeavor is you work for it you you strive towards that that's our that's our mandate that's what we do and then secondly Hebrews 10 says therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward for you have need of endurance in this world, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. What promise? Well, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So what the Bible is saying here in both of these passages is that I wanted to bring out was, we have this confidence of the Lord coming back, we have to have endurance to deal with not only each other but the world too because he is going to come back and he's not going to tarry and we should uh, strive to maintain what I would call a homeostasis of enduring love and, and bearing with one another in the drama of what we call the church. So Acts chapter 16 then. Think of this. Imagine God Almighty in his infinite wisdom and sovereign rule chose to disseminate his perfect truth and the gospel of redemption through imperfect, fragile vessels. That that would be us. That can achieve anything only so long as they are 100% surrendered to his will. That would be us. God chose to do that. But then, I said, for the most part, God uh, works His mighty plan in spite of us. Because to do any good, to be any effect in the ministry, to be any effect to one another, do you realize the amount of dying to self we first have to do to be of any use to each other? Okay. Everybody has a combination of stresses or triggers which will put them on the negative, which will put them into opposition mode, resistance, on the offensive or our defensive, depending. But the drama of ministry is we we deal with that in obedience to Jesus. We bear with that, not only from the world, but inside the church too, which is why last week, if you remember, we talked a lot about about uh, the kind of drama, we didn't use the word drama, but we talked a lot about what the early church in Acts 15 went through and how there was division happening, not only between the Jewish Christians, but the Gentile Christians. And then lastly, between John, Mark, Barnabas, and Paul. That's how it ended. They were, they were at odds with each other. So ministry has drama. To start off in, verse, in chapter 16, verses 1 through 5, after we leave with the division of, over John Mark, it says, then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. So now we're finally, for the first time, introduced to this man, this young man named Timothy. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem, so the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily." When you have that portion down at the bottom in verse 5 and increased in number daily, that's where the problems come. Okay? Typically, we like the us, four and no more because we can all pretty much get along. All right? All the people at this table eat steak and we all like it medium. Over there is where you go if you still want it to be balling. That's where they like to have their... They don't come eat our table. We don't eat their table. You're not welcome here if you don't. So... As a church, we are coming from different backgrounds. And it's important that we remember that. I've got wounds and valleys in my soul that will be there probably until I go home. And that informs me a little bit in what I do. I may see something or hear something that will trigger a response from me. We're emotional people. It's not just the women. Or the teenagers. The men are like that too. They just they just have a way of uh, covering it up a little bit better. Well, I say that. That's kind of a joke. No, they don't. We're all the same. So, I, I take that back. Thank you are reckon, Jeff in the white shirt? Okay. <laughs> but something else I want you to see. Paul has Timothy here that he meets. And Timothy has a Jewish mother and a Greek father. And it says that all the Jews in the region knew that. Paul wanted to take Timothy with him. We already know how strongly the Jews felt about Gentile believers and that they should be circumcised, they should keep the law of Moses. We went over that last week. Paul did something here that he didn't do in another space with Titus. Paul has... Timothy circumcised. He did not have Titus circumcised. What was the difference? What's the dynamic? It was the ministry setting. We have to be willing to engage in a certain level of of dramatic outcome in order to fulfill our mission. We're going to get to at the end of this today in what's called a matter of principle. Principles matter, right? So What we see here shaping up is Paul is doing what is necessary to maintain principle in order to reach the target group that he's kind of around at this time, which is a lot of Jews. And since Timothy's family structure was so well known, he didn't want to spend all of his time fighting this issue, so poor Timothy. Okay, now we get into the Macedonian call. The drama of ministry is found in the Macedonian call. Now that's a general term that we see happening here in verses 6 through 10. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in the Roman province of Asia, which would be where we get Ephesus and those places. That happened later. At this point, though, God said, No, you don't go. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing to Mysia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after they had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. First of all, in this drama of ministry... And in what we would call perhaps a little more understanding to us would be the call to missions. To go somewhere where the gospel is not. And to preach it. There was a vision given to Paul from a man in Macedonia saying, come and help us. Come. It was compelling. And there was a burden then that was given. Because you see, a true call of God to the area of missions is going to necessitate a burden. Now look, you may not have like this overwhelming burden, but I think intrinsically in every Christian, what, whatever your view of missions is, you have, you should have, a, an understanding that that is essential. The church was born to be missional, To be going and telling the great commission is when you're going, you're telling the gospel. Sometimes God compels you to go farther than the county line. Okay? He even says go farther than the United States. And you go. You go when it doesn't make sense to go. You go knowing it might result in your death, but you go. Because the going is bound in burden, which is found in the drama of ministry, which is the story of redemption fleshed out through people that God works through. It's a miracle. Have you ever asked God how missional you really are? Have you ever dealt with the question, could I be doing more? Am I as aware of the brethren brethren in the other parts of the world and the lostness, the blackness that exists in these places, am I as aware of that as I ought to be? Should I be more aware? That's a question we have to ask. To be a Christian is to be missional. Now, for most in this congregation, your mission is your family. Those you know immediately. Your co workers. Your co tormentors, you might even say. Okay, that's your mission field. You say, I'd rather go to Africa. Well, God knows that's why you're here. So, no. <laughs> But here's the thing. If you can't be faithful here, how are you going to be faithful there? Notice the word immediately in verse 10 there. The mission call has always been an urgent call. And by virtue of it being urgent, there must be drama. Right? There's emotion with it. As a church, as we begin to grow, churches grow, they begin to have drama from various ideas and points of views, but we have to focus on what we're about. Don't forget the fact that Paul at this point is still out of sorts with John Mark and Barnabas, the son of encouragement. He's still out of sorts with them, but he's picked up a new guy. God can use us even in spite of who we are. That's the miracle. That also is the drama, is it not? That's part of the story. Now going on, the drama of ministry is sometimes discovered on the banks of the river of life. You say, boy, you're being very metaphorical, kind of, but we have a river over there down in a deep canyon. On that side's Twin Falls. On this side's Jerome. And I always hear, well, it's, well, it's, whatever. Matthew's given me a 25 degree variance. But, <laughs> but uh, I heard, you know, Jerome and Twin have a rivalry. They have drama? I guess they do. It's like that everywhere you go. Maysville well had drama with Lindsay. Of course, we all know the great, great, great chasm that exists between Texas and Oklahoma. Okay. I love the Texas brethren because of Jesus. <laughs> so <laughs> And if you're not from there, you really don't understand how big it is. But it's funny how you have things that happen in your flow of life that you run into, and things that bring people to your attention. Let's look at eleven through fifteen. Therefore, sailing from Troas, so now they're on a boat. So, man, we have we have seafaring happen in the ministry and the drama of life. Sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to. Uh, neapolis and from there to philippi which is the foremost city of that part of macedonia a colony it was a roman colony for retired soldiers that really was and we were staying in that city for some days and on the sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there now a certain woman named lydia heard us she was a seller of purple from the city of thyatira who worshiped god the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul, and when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, "If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay." So she persuaded us. Here they are. They come to this Roman colony on the Sabbath day. Their typical Paul's typical thing to do his pattern was to go to the synagogue. But come to find out, this place didn't have a synagogue because apparently there weren't 10 male Jews present in order to have one. Because who knew that in order to have a synagogue in these places, you had to have at least 10 male Jews. So he went to where he had heard that people go to pray and see God, which was the river. That's why they have that, and we went down the river to pray, talking about the good old way. And there's a song. Some of you know it, some of you don't. Okay. But in this town, this river, the Gangites River, was about a mile and a half out of town. So we imagine it just being here's the town and here's the river. No, he had to trek a mile and a half over there to get to it. This is where they went. Didn't know what to expect. You understand, right? He was just missional. And he was about the drama of ministry, how it's unfolding, God's story. He's one of the characters. If you know Jesus today, so are you. You are part of the tapestry that God is weaving of his kingdom purpose of redemption. You are. A mile and a half, he goes to the river. He just happens to meet a lady there named Lydia. Well, how did she know to meet him? Because he's preaching the gospel. Sometimes we have what we'd like to prefer to as the osmosis style of ministry. (laughs) They said, well, I was able to be an influence on about 15 people this week. How's that? We had a business lunch. I said, okay, what happened? Well, I sat there in the middle I said, okay, yep. I was present and they know I'm a Christian. I said, okay. That's what I did. They know. Like, okay. (laughs) Not what I was hoping to hear. What'd you do? Did you say anything? Did you offer to pray? I mean, what did you do? So we often think. Because we're so intimidated and afraid to speak that just by our very presence that we can show up and people are going to somehow say, wow, there's something about you. I just, can you tell me how to be saved? That's not going to happen. Paul went and boldly spoke at this place of the river, at the Ganges River, and this woman named Lydia heard him. And it says she was a seller of purple, which as you go through this, you understand that she was probably a kind of a high-profile, successful business lady. And she was baptized, her her, and her house, her servants. And then she said, and notice this, the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Here's what you have to remember when we're talking about the drama of ministry and the type of people you may be dealing with, Okay. How many, of you, how many people do you know that you would categorize as stubborn, hard-headed people? Wow, well, because I know a lot, and you guys don't know any. Knuckleheads, we refer to them sometimes. These are emotionally driven. You can never tell from one minute to the next how they might be. You live in an emotionally charged world getting worse here's the thing you have to understand. It doesn't matter where they came from. It doesn't matter their background. What matters is the sovereignty of God and the work through his vessel. You are the vessel. You may, do not concern yourself with the statistical likelihood that they may want to know more. Just concern yourself with that God is still on his throne. And you be the Christian the representative of Christ that God has made you to be. You'd be amazed at what happens. Don't hold your tongue. Free it up in the name of Jesus. Well, that's what happened with Paul when he met this lady. The Lord, it says, opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. The Lord did that. No one listens to you because you're all that. No one listens to me either. It is a miracle of God. If i God uses you, your life, your personality, your quirks, maybe even your interests, to speak and preach to people. But make sure you give the gospel. I've asked a lot of people these days lately, and I simply say this, can you please tell me, as far as you understand it, what is the gospel? Can you tell me the gospel? oh yeah and they will go on and give you everything but the gospel people don't know it and I'm telling you people (laughs) people we live in a time where there's a ton of churches but there's a very big deficit of understanding what the gospel is we've done church well in America but we failed and, and dispensing an understanding of the gospel, you always want to make me go on on that point, and then i <laughs> it 's like weston 's banjo playing and he gets up there and he just stops, so she begged us to stay if you 've judged me faithful to the Lord, come stay at my house. There is a love. And an attachment with the brethren when Christ is Lord. I've noticed, I guess it's being in my position. When people begin to withdraw from the Lord in their walk as believers, they usually stop talking to me. I wish just once I could zap them. I would just love the just one time. Just to be to go, you know, but I can't. But they, might, they must think I can, right? But I can't do that. But they stop talking to me. I've also noticed that they also stop talking to any other influential Christian in their life. In other words, who are they trying to get away from? That's it. That's it. So we are together when we are being about the drama of ministry. We're engaging in the work of God. Now there's something else here too. Um, sometimes the drama of ministry, when we are trying to avoid it, finds us. Okay? Now let's look at verses 16 through 24, because now we've had some, you know, you can imagine there's some drama there. Now we're getting into some serious weirdness. Okay? Verse 16, And it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination... "...met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days." Verse 18 is very key to understanding this. "...but Paul greatly annoyed, okay, distressed, turned and said to the Spirit..." He didn't talk to the girl, he talked to the Spirit. Now it's getting really weird. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. And when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews... Exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Would you say that this was a dramatic scene? Okay, me too. Man, wrestling with this, I was just like, golly, so weird. They were just going to go pray, that's all. And then suddenly this girl, who's obviously a some sort of a slave, indentured servant to these to these men that own her because she has this, possessed, this possession spouting off things. Uh, basically what it means is she attached herself to Paul's retinue, uh, to his group, for many days. In other words, it wasn't just a, okay weirdo, stay over there on your side of the street. She joined the group so that now it was beginning to seem like from Paul's point of view, that she represented him. There's a drama happening here. She was attached. He's like, no, no. She, she's not part of us. She's goofy. But there was more. She was possessed. Now, interestingly enough, in the word divination, the spirit, uh, uh, pneuma in the Greek, There's another word that they've translated to where we get our word divination and it's the word, and this is going to throw y'all, I just want to get, I want to have it up here so I can have it for effect. Puthanos. Do you know what that means? Python. You see, there was in Philippi at the time a belief that Apollo took the form of a Python, and that sometimes he would indwell people and be able; they would be able to tell the future. So this girl, they thought, had the spirit of the Python. If you go into your translations, you might see that fleshed out a little better. So this girl was the spirit of the Python, Apollo, if you will, the Greek god Apollo. And so they really got into her ability to predict the future and they made a lot of money off of her. But what was really happening was she was simply taken captive by a demonic spirit because you have to understand that whenever you get around the group or groups of false teaching, cults, especially idols and all of that stuff, you're going to run into a very high population of demonic spirits. They hang out there. It's kind of like if you go to a barbecue restaurant, you're going to run into a lot of men. Okay? It's just kind of what's going to happen. Few women, but mostly men that just want to eat. Paul was annoyed. It says that he just, he spoke, to the Spirit. To me, that just screams drama. I can't imagine what Silas probably like. Watching. Timothy, we don't know if he's joined up yet or what, but just they're just watching. Everybody knew in that moment when Paul spoke, something happened. That's clear. This girl, I don't know if all of a sudden she went from like, yada, 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 to... Huh. Who are you? We don't know, but she wasn't the same girl. I I have an opinion, and it's just an opinion, that she was freed. Unbound, if you will. Okay? But her masters knew that something bad had happened, and so what they did was, they they loved her so much they got mad. (laughs) No, they they lost their source of profit, and they brought Paul and Silas before the magistrates, and... Before they asked any questions and did any inquiries, they stripped them naked and they beat them with rods. These rods were about yay long, something like this. They were about as big around as a broom handle, made out of something like what we would have, like uh, uh, oak or hickory. Yeah, thank you. And they would just get together and they'd just go to beating. They just beat them all over the place. Sometimes they would hang them up by their hands and they would have their feet tied so they wouldn't dangle and they would just go to beating. They did that. Now, in this case, I don't think they hung them up, but nonetheless, it was such a frenzied, dramatic event that they beat them without finding out a very important piece of detail. They were Roman citizens. And, and you have to understand, Philippi was a, a, a Roman colony colonized by retired Roman soldiers who knew the law very well and took it very seriously because that's one thing Rome did. I mean, if you were a citizen of Rome, you had, I think they did a lot better in some of the things they had as being intrinsic to being Roman in identity and constitution than what we have today in some of our founding documents. They, there's just things you didn't rub. Well, so as we're going on here, Huh. they were beaten, and this and this poor were being introduced to a new player, a new a new character, this person, this prison guard, he threw them into the inner prison, which you can actually look up online and see i didn't know that, but you can archaeology and all and so uh, he's they're in the inside in the back, they were so mad, they were so enraged i can't help but think there was a demonic response to all that was going on here because there was false god worship also known as idolatry everywhere at this time verse 25 then i have this to say the drama of ministry can never stay suppressed ever now look here at twenty-five, verse, verse twenty-five. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. When I read that, I thought they're in the inner guts of the prison, down in the nasty stuff, dark and dank, and they're singing. And it says they're praying. They they know that God has called them to this thing, and the other prisoners were listening. And then it says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed immediately. These chains weren't like locks we have in handcuffs today. They had a rivet through them and they banged them and they spread on the bottom. And that's how they were put together. But they fell off and the doors were opened. This is all pitch black, mind you, mostly. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. It's one thing to do it with a pistol, but with a sword? You got to just imagine this scene here. He's going to fall on his sword. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, and I can just, out of this, you know, the guts of the prison, maybe his eyes had adjusted a little. Because I'm sure with the guard, with the prison keeper, there was a bit of a light. But he couldn't see Paul, but Paul could see him. And he sees what's about to happen. And out of that darkness, truth. Gospel. Listen what happens. Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Because if you're a Roman prison guard keeper, and you lose your prisoners, you die. But you don't just get killed pretty quick. They take their time. He would rather kill himself than fall into their hands. So he called for a light and said, bring the torches. And so he brought the torch, and they ran in, and he fell down. Notice this, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, here's the question of the ages. What must I do to be saved? And they said, Pistuo, remember? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. If all of y'all, right, JT, would believe you'll be saved. This prisoner, this prison guard, now I would be thinking, there was an earthquake and the chains fell off and the doors are all open. And this is weird and and what a supernatural event <laughs> all he wanted to know was how to be saved all he wanted to know never mind never mind all that stuff how how can i be saved that was his question I hope you're here today if you don't know Jesus that you want to know how to be saved because the same grace that extended into that dark dungeon with this man is the same grace that extends to you today and it will be that same grace that's extended until Jesus comes back. So after that, no more. But today, that grace is extended to know Jesus. And he says, they spoke the word of the Lord to him in verse 32. I would think, let's get out of the prison. Go have some chicken wings and we'll talk it over. Okay? They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. They all came because it was a family affair. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized because they believed. They believed. And when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. And if you think the drama doesn't end there, it does not. It goes on to one more small factor. (laughs) The drama of ministry releases people to freedom. Because look at verse 35. Or I'm sorry, verse 33. 34. (laughs) 34. After he had fed them, in verse 35, we pick up on the next morning. It's the next morning. And it starts out with, the magistrate sent the officer saying, let those men go. Do you think they went overnight and said, well, now that we had a total temper tantrum on the people, why don't we just let them go? I'm thinking that they probably begin to wonder if they had probable cause to hold them. They've already beat them. Let's just let them go. But this is interesting. Verse 36. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. Before I get into the whole magistrate thing, I just want to say, they all went back to jail after they ate. They didn't leave. The prison, here's the thing. when, When God is doing a work, he does it perfectly. He does it redemptively. If Paul and Silas, just those two, even if those, just those two would have left, he would have been killed the next day. This man, this jailer has been saved. He, he and his household believed. They had a meal. He, they, washed, they washed their wounds. And then they said, well, I guess we'll go back to jail and we'll just sleep there for the night. And we'll pick this story back up in the morning. What a drama of ministry, man! I don't know of a temperament in any one of us here in this room would be so willing to be so flexible with the with with the work. I, I just, I'd be like, hey JT, uh, they let us out. We've ate. Let's go. <laughs> and JT would have been like, that's not me, man. I'm over here on the hill. You you too slow. <laughs> So, God does all things well. In verse 37, here's what happens. Now, what I want to talk about here is the drama of ministry is played out on the foundation of principle. Remember when I said we would close on principle? Okay. Paul said to them in verse 37 They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. This thing called principle is this. The definition of principle is a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. Okay? Let them come and take us out of here. They did wrong. Let them come. Some would say he's being vindictive. I say he's thinking ahead and thinking about the newly established church. If you're going to be a magistrate, exercise your process legally the way you're supposed to, but just know that what happened here today is an example of how uncontrolled and unbridled you are. And I thought to myself, how can I give an example of, I have a goofy example to give of a matter of principle, just to kind of play into this a little bit, just work with me here. So we all know that Costco has the mask mandate, and you can't go shop and buy food there unless you put that thing on. Okay, all right. It's their company, it's their store, whatever. And you go in and they provide them. Here it is, here it is, here it is. One day I was behind a cowboy and he had his sons with him. They were all cowboys. They had on their ashtray hats, okay? Nevada ashtray, right? Okay. What? Flat hatters, right. Well, they're walking in there, you know, casually. And this particular day, the lady said, oh, just so you know, on such and such date, you will have to start supplying your own mask. He went. He looked to her, and I'm like watching this, you know, because <laughs> I'm behind. And he, he turns around, and he and you could tell he's just holding it in. He's holding it in. Here was the matter of principle that he began to... He said, ma'am, it's one thing for the company to tell me what they need done in their store. It's quite another for them to make me pay for it. So in other words, you want me to wear a mask in your store? Okay. You want me to pay for it? No. That was a line to him that he wasn't going to cross. And it was a matter of principle for him, to which several others in the group said, yeah, what he said right and she said I know me too okay so in this way Paul is taking advantage of this opportunity and he's saying you guys did wrong it's one thing to beat us but you better watch yourself because this could come up it's a matter of principle principles are short these days Paul went on back to Lydia's house, and then he encouraged the church. He didn't dwell on the fact that they'd been beaten, and I think we overlooked the severity of how bad that was. It was brutal. They encouraged the church, and they went on their way because they were so kingdom-focused. But here here at the end, and I'm late today, just understand, if you haven't noticed, our world is ex- is intensifying an emotional response. Everybody is being offended. Everybody is over-emotional. Principle is kicked to the curb. But this is the drama that's played out and that one that we have to minister in. There's only one surefire way that we're going to have the strength to deal with it and know what to do because everything's turned on its head. We have to to stay in our bibles you don't understand the severity of the time if you're not in your bible you you must take up and read daily it's so convoluted with the people calling evil good and good evil, with such arguments and philosophical prowess, that you have to know what the Bible says. But then when you know, you have to be willing to take part in that drama as Christ followers, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, understanding your mission, that's our mandate as a church. That's what we're supposed to do. And oh, by the way, and with, other, with each other, even more so. Even more so. Tracy doesn't like garlic. I can't understand that for the life of me. I do, but I love her anyway. And she loves me. That's a silly example. But when you get into the other parts of things too, we have to be one. I'm going to ask JT to come. And I want to just ask you as he's coming, how have you done in this drama? How have you been playing it out? Have you, been, have you allowed yourself to become wrapped up into the negative side of it? I think we all have. But have you come back out of it? Have you been able to see your point as a Christian? If you're not a Christian, I just want to ask, what are you Do you sense the Holy Spirit of God dealing with your soul? Do you understand the severity of the hour? You must be saved. As JT plays, you come.